Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Today we're going to look at a group of God's people who forfeited the blessings of the future because of fear. And along the way, we're going to discover some biblical principles for moving from fear to courage. If you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers chapter 13. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Fear holds us back from achieving dreams and reaching goals. But gratefully, with God's help, the mountain of fear can be conquered. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress examines the Israelites' cowardly response after exploring the promised land and shows us how we can overcome fear in our own lives. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. And before we resume our study that began on Friday's program, I'll quickly remind you that this teaching series has been carefully expressed in a best-selling book I've written for you called Invincible. Without a question, this is one of the most practical books I've ever written because we're tackling common obstacles in life, such as doubt, guilt, worry, and fear. And just after my message, I'll explain how you can request your copy of my book, Invincible. Now, it's possible you already own a copy of Invincible. You'll be pleased to learn that in addition to the Invincible book, which you can give to a friend, we're also including an exclusive audio and video recording. The CD and DVD includes a special message I gave recently as the keynote speaker at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. I chose to warn my colleagues in ministry about the upcoming persecution of Christians in America. My message is titled, When Persecution Comes. All of us need to prepare for the inevitable. And a little later on, we'll explain all the details and how to receive a copy of this very timely message. But right now, it's time to pick up our study in the 13th chapter of Numbers. We're at verse 27. That's Numbers 13, beginning with verse 27. Remember, the spies had just returned from the Promised Land to give their personal report. And what unfolds is a case study in conquering the mountain of fear. From the Invincible series, I titled today's message, Moving from Fear to Courage. The land is flowing with milk and honey and fruit just like God promised. Verse 28, nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Notice what happened as soon as the spies mentioned Anak and giants, you could hear the murmuring of the people. Look at verse 1 of Numbers 14. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or we had died in the wilderness. Even though they had been praying for 400 years for deliverance from Egypt, they said, we'd rather be back in Egypt. And that's when God decided to show up. And in his rebuke, Numbers 14, he chastises them for their lack of faith. And he said, I've had it with this people. I'm going to destroy the Israelites from uh, the face of the earth. And I'm going to begin with a new people to show my glory through. 
Now, if God had said that and I had been Moses, I would say, sick them, God. Give them what they deserve. But interestingly, that's not what Moses does. Instead, he begs God to change his mind. He says, God, if you damn Israel, people are going to be saying you're a God who wasn't powerful enough to fulfill his own promise to his own people. Don't destroy this people. And God listened to Moses. Verse 20 says, so the Lord said, I have pardoned them. I'm not going to damn them eternally, but indeed, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to the test these 10 times, shall by no means see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who spurned me see it. I'm going to forgive them, Moses, but not one of them is going to enter into the promised land. In fact, he went on to say, everybody 20 years of age and older will die in the wilderness without possessing the land. They're not going to lose their salvation, but they'll lose the benefit of their salvation in this life. They shall not enter into my rest. You say, Why would God engage in such a severe punishment? Kill everyone, millions of people in the wilderness. Why would he do that? Because God understood that fear is not only destructive, it's contagious. We learn fear from other people. And just like sometimes chemotherapy or radiation has to be utilized to kill off cancerous cells in the body, God knew that sometimes you have to destroy the cancerous cells of sin. He knew that unbelief, fear is contagious and could be spread from generation to generation. And that leads to a discussion about what the problems or fear of fear are. What are the problems of fear? Let me just mention four real briefly to you. First of all, fear distorts the size of our problem. It distorts the size of our problem. I read somewhere that a fog that covers seven city blocks has less than half a glass of water in it. It's the same way. Fear distorts the size of our problems. And that's why it's so destructive. And that leads to number two. Fear utilizes the wrong standard for analyzing our situation. It utilizes the wrong standard for analyzing our situation. I read this week that the tallest building in the world is in the Middle East. It's in Dubai. It's 2,717 feet high. That's one tall building. Unless you're comparing it to Mount Everest that is 29,000 plus feet high. Then that office building is no larger than a molehill. It's the same thing with analyzing our problems. How big are your problems? Well, if you're measuring your problems by your abilities, you're going to feel like a grasshopper. And your problem is going to feel like a giant. And it is a giant. But if you measure your problems by the size of the God you serve, then it's your problem that becomes a grasshopper. Be sure you utilize the right standard in analyzing your situation. A third problem with fear is it forgets the power of our God. Fear forgets the power of God. I find it fascinating that in this story, all 12 spies had the same report. Land flowing with milk and honey, giants in the land. Nobody disputed that. But they came to two very different conclusions. 
The two spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, yes, there are problems, but we can overcome the problem. The 10 said, we have problems, but they forgot the power of God. Fear forgets the power of God. And fourth, fear destroys the promise of our future. E. Stanley Jones says, fear is the sand in the machinery of life, and faith is the oil. Fear is like sand. It only takes a few grains of it to bring our life to a grinding halt. But faith is the oil that encourages us to move forward. What is the antidote to fear? Now, you might think I would say courage. The title of this message is moving from fear to courage. But no, the antidote to fear is faith. I want you to listen to this for just a moment because this is important in understanding. What is faith? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, remember that passage? For faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. Faith is both an assurance and it is a conviction. I had given you this definition in our series on Hebrews 11. I said, faith is believing that God will do what he has promised to do and then acting accordingly. You see, true faith involves, first of all, a belief that God will do what he's promised to do. But it's not just a belief, it's an action. That's what the word conviction implies. It is an action, it is acting on what you believe. And there's that long list in Hebrews 11 of people who had true faith. I mean, Abraham believed that God was gonna give him the land, but he believed it so much he acted accordingly. He picked up his family and uh, moved, headed to that promised land. Uh, Noah believed that God was going to destroy the world by a flood. He believed it so much he acted with conviction, with courage. He built an ark. Rahab believed that God was going to give Jericho to the Israelites. She believed it so much she risked her life by hiding the two spies. That's what true faith is. It's a belief, but it is also a conviction, an action. If you're paralyzed, if you hear God speak but you don't move, you really don't have biblical faith. Courage is just another word for conviction, moving in light of what God has promised to do for you. How do you develop that kind of faith? How do you allow faith and not fear to have the final say in your life? Let me give you three quick principles here for developing courage in your life. First of all, realize that fear is a normal reaction. I was reading people this week who said, oh, fear is sinful. No, it's not sinful if it's dealt with properly. Fear is a normal reaction. The key is to make sure it's not your final reaction. Remember Psalm 3? David, the man after God's own heart, found himself in a threatening situation. His son Absalom was leading a rebellion against him. He cries out to God and Psalm 3, verse 1, O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying to my soul, there is no deliverance for him and God. The Jerusalem Times was reporting, David is finished. His kingdom is through. His own son is rebelling against him. Many are saying there is no deliverance for him in God. But remember verse 3, but you... O oh Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. Can't you hear our choir singing that? 
thou, O Lord, are a shield. David didn't minimize the fear that he felt, but thank God his fear was his first response, but not his final response. Realize that fear is a normal reaction. Secondly, reflect on the promises of God. In Psalm 34, verse four, David said, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. One way God delivers us from fear is to reflect on his promises. Somebody has pointed out that there are 366 commands in the Bible that begin with fear not, fear not. 366, one for every day of the year, including leap year. God's trying to tell you something. He's trying to tell me something. Do not fear. And one way we keep from fearing is by reflecting on what God has already promised. Number three, remember and recount God's faithfulness to you. Remember and recount God's faithfulness to you. I had you read Psalm 34 a little bit earlier in the service. It begins in verse one with, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David said, I'm continually talking about God's faithfulness. Why? Because it strengthens me to remember God's faithfulness. But it's also a blessing to other people around me who may be facing their own giants. When they hear me recount of God's blessing, it encourages other people. Remember, fear is contagious, but so is faith. Faith is contagious. And that's why as families, we need to have a collection of stories of God's faithfulness that we pass down to our children and grandchildren of how God has been faithful to us and allowed us to conquer giants that were in the land. Do you have a group of stories like that? Stories you tell so often that when your children begin hearing it, they roll their eyes and say, oh, not again. (laughs) They may be rolling their eyes, but they're listening to you as you tell those stories of God's faithfulness to your children and grandchildren. Remember, you know, for hundreds of years, the Old Testament wasn't written down. The stories of Genesis were passed down through oral tradition, family to family to family to family, till it got to Moses who wrote them down. We need to pass down those stories of God's faithfulness. And by the way, churches need to have their own stories that they pass down from generation to generation of how God has sustained and protected and empowered their congregation. I begin this sermon today by giving you a case study in fear. It's the Israelites who failed to experience God's blessing because they allowed fear to have the final say in their life. In these final moments, I want to close with another case story, a case study in courage. And that case study and courage would be another group of God's people. You, the members of First Baptist Church, Dallas. When I came to the church 14 years ago, and I can't believe it's been almost 14 years since I came. But when I came in 2007, many of you remember what our church was like. Our church was declining. People were exiting. And uh, I shared with you a vision for recreating our church, not our purpose, but recreating our ministries to reach more people. And that involved completely removing our current facility and creating a spiritual oasis in the heart of downtown Dallas that would not only reach our metroplex, 
but would have a broadcast ministry that would reach around the world. We would be a beacon for God's truth right here in downtown Dallas for the entire world. And of course, that that goal was particularly kind of laughable when you think about it, because at that point, our broadcast footprint consisted of one radio station, KCBI here in Dallas, and one UHF television station in Dallas that nobody watched. But you listened to the vision, and you embraced that vision of what God had for our church. And of course, the natural question we all had was, how much is it going to cost to do that? What's it going to take to do that? To do what it was going to take to do what we wanted to do, it would take north of $120 million. Well, that report might as well have said $120 billion. Because the fact is, no church in history had ever raised $120 million. No church had ever done that. That was challenging enough. That was a big enough giant to face. But then the bottom of our country fell out. In 2008 and 2009, we went into the greatest recession our nation has faced since the Great Depression. And I began to go wobbly, as they say, when I saw what was happening. And so that night, I could hardly sleep, just tossing and turning, thinking about this. And the next morning, I got up and got down on my knees, and I said, God, you know what the situation is. We're trying to obey you, but we're looking at what's happening right now. If we're supposed to go forward, I need a sign from you, and I need it today. Now, I know you're not supposed to pray that way, okay? (laughs) I spent six years in seminary learning. You're not supposed to pray that way for signs. But that's the best I could do. So I got up, and later that morning, I had a luncheon scheduled. Amy and I were going to eat lunch with a godly couple in our church, Andy and Joan Horner. And we went down to the Petroleum Club, and they'd just come back from a mission trip, and they were telling us about their trip. And just out of nowhere, Andy said to me, he said, Pastor, I know things are difficult out there right now in the economy, but... I just feel like we need to go forward in what we think God's leading us to do. I thought to myself, is that it? Is that the sign? So I thanked Andy for his positive word. We said goodbye. I walked down the street back to the church, went into the Ross parking garage, got into my car to drive to Baylor Hospital to make a visit. And I was going down St. Paul Street, making that turn onto Pacific when my cell phone rang. And it was Andy Horner. And Andy said, Pastor, I forgot to tell you something at lunch. Joan and I have been praying about our new campus. And we want to make the first gift to it. The lead gift to it. And he told me how much it was. It was an eight-figure gift. It was the largest gift that has ever been given to this church. It's the largest gift our consultants told us has ever been given to any church. And so when he announced that, I shared with some of our people what God had done through Andy Horner. And we had other families, the Jim Donald family, Hollis and Donna Sullivan, others of you who said, if God can do it through them, we want to be a part of it too. And I came to you, the church family, on a Sunday in the spring of 2010, and I said, this cost has ballooned to $135 million. Mark shared with us 
the report, we have $62.5 million raised, but we've got another $62.5 million that we still need. That was still a lot of money, especially for a church our size, and especially after all the large gifts had been removed. But on that Sunday in the spring of 2010, you as a church responded, not in fear, but in faith. And you came to the front of that old historic sanctuary and you made the pledges. And when we added it all up, it was $135 million. And today we are in that campus with no debt whatsoever. No debt. God did it. God did it. Not any debt at all on this new campus. Not only that, look at what has happened since that time. God has blessed the ministry of this church here in Dallas. After a couple of years of being in our new campus, we had so many children and preschoolers and young adults and youth coming that we had to add two more floors onto that new facility, 90,000 square feet, $35 million to accommodate the throngs of people coming to our church. And not only that, God blessed our broadcast ministry. Pathway to Victory, our church's broadcast ministry, is the fastest growing Christian media ministry in the world today, reaching thousands of people every day of the year. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. You say, Pastor, why are you telling us that story? It's a story of faith that needs to be passed from generation to generation. But the reason I tell it today is this. You, the members of First Baptist Church Dallas, came forward, made your commitment, and said, our church is going to be governed by faith, not fear. Thank you, church, for being that kind of church. God has blessed you because of it. People all over the world say to us, churches, because of what your church did, our church has been encouraged to step out in faith as well. So I'd tell it to you to say thank you, but I also tell that story to you as a reminder that the same God, the same glorious, all-powerful God who moved a mountain for us is available to help you and offers to remove whatever obstacle you're facing right now so that you can experience that abundant life he's promised to you. Perhaps you heard me describe First Baptist Dallas, and you only wish your home church would become motivated by faith rather than fear. Well, as I said a moment ago, the same glorious God who moved mountains for us here in downtown Dallas is more than able to move mountains for your church as well. As a reminder, I've given you God's prescription for this transformation in my best-selling book called Invincible. In fact, in my book, I address 10 different barriers or obstacles that separate us from God's blessing in our lives. And in each case, I point you to God's solution for conquering each mountain. Please be sure to request your copy of Invincible while there's still time. It's my gift to you when you give a generous gift to support the growing ministry of Pathway to Victory. Plus, with your gift and request, I'll be sure to include the special CD and DVD I mentioned earlier. 
It's entitled, When Persecution Comes, and it's a message I recently presented to the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. By watching my presentation, you'll learn four things you must know about the persecution that I believe is ahead of you as a follower of Christ, and how your faith in Him will lead you through it. Thank you for your gift today. It's because of loyal partners like you that Pathway to Victory has become one of the fastest-growing media ministries in the world. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. You're invited to request the best-selling book, Invincible, Conquering the Mountains that Separate You from the Blessed Life, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Plus, we'll also send you the CD and DVD message that Dr. Jeffress recently delivered at a gathering of Christian broadcasters. Christians need to start preparing right now for the day when persecution comes to America. Call us at 866-999-2965 or visit our website, ptv.org. And when your gift is $75 or more, you'll receive not only the book, but also the complete collection of audio and video discs for the Invincible Teaching Series. You'll get that along with the personal and group study guide. One more time, call 866-999-2965 or find us online at ptv.org. You could also write to us if you'd like. Here's that mailing address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. No matter how much money you have or the kind of medical attention you receive, it's impossible to escape the inevitable seasons of sadness and sorrow. And next time, Dr. Jeffress will share how to move from grief to acceptance. That's coming up Tuesday here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.